0: Open up your Bible with me, would you, to the book of Philippians is where we're going to be this morning. And um, I love this passage of Scripture that we're looking at today. I, I don't quite have it memorized, but um, I encourage you to, to maybe put this to memory. Be a good one. Be a good one. And um, we're going to look at it in a little more detail today. And, and not only in this passage, but we're going to look at, throughout the Bible what God has to say to us as we, um, we read a very relevant passage of Scripture that deals with us as we live the journey of life that we're in. Let's just read right now. If we're going further, let's just read. I'm in Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 12 through 16. Hear the Word of God. The author, Paul, writes, not that I have already obtained this. So he hasn't arrived. He's not finished he has progress ahead of Him. Not that He's already arra- he's, not, he's not already obtained this or am already perfect. So the author is saying, He's not perfect. No, that's not, that's not true of Him. But I press on to make it my own. And it here is knowing God. He presses on to make knowing God His own. You see, the author, the Apostle Paul, re- written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he believes that God is real. He knows that it's true. God is real and desires to have a relationship with us. And that's been His call throughout this book. And He says, not that I have this nailed down perfectly, no, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me His own. There's a relationship here between us and God. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, if you were listening to that, you might think, well, that'd be really good on a poster. That's a good poster right there. And you know what? has been made into a lot of posters. A lot of people have stuck that on the wall. But do they really understand what it means? This is not just a rah-rah speech. You know, go get them, team. Let's win this one for the Gipper. That's not what this is. The author really has an intention in mind here. He calls it a prize, he calls it a call, it's his goal, and he presses on forward to what lies ahead. Verse 15. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Mature. And if anything in if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. I want to talk today about, about really the journey of life. And that's really what this book is all about. It's about as we, as we live our life here on earth, and we said last week we're almost in this dual reality where we are a brand new creature, but we're here on this planet that's not filled with new creatures. How is it that we live this life in a way that, that pleases God and fulfills our design? I mean, that's our desire. We want to have our design fulfilled. Now, I, I, there's been a repeated theme as we're going through the book of Philippians, and I've, I've, I've attached a lot of it to hiking. It's something I really like to do. I want to tell you a story about a time my family and I went hiking, and it didn't go too great. Have you ever been lost in the woods? I'm telling you, that is a scary feeling, to get lost in the woods. My family and I, some of us, were out on a hike, one of these other adventures that we went on, and um, I had one of these fancy-dancy devices called a GPS unit, okay? And I could see that where we were at was only just like 300 feet from where we were earlier on the trail. Now, what we had to do is we had to go all the way out around, about a mile or two out beyond, or we could go straight across 300 feet. I'm like, you know, it's getting late, and we want to get home. Honey, children... Trust your daddy. Let's not go the long way around. Let's just go these 300 feet, right? Just right through the woods, and we'll be on the trail. And don't worry, I've got a GPS. Follow me as I follow the GPS. And out we go. Now listen, let me just tell you. Don't ever do what I did. It's not a good idea, okay? There's a reason why the trail takes the extra two miles. There's a reason. But being the idiot that I was that day. I didn't check my topo map. I just went, all right? And off we went down this ravine and found ourselves in the very bottom surrounded by cliffs that were 20, 30, 40, 50 feet high. And where I wanted to go was impossible to get to. And I've got people with me. And they're following me. And it's scary, okay? Okay? And we start walking up this riverbed, up this stream. We're trying to get through. And I can hear behind me. I can hear them behind me. And I know what they're thinking. I can hear their thoughts. They're thinking, does Daddy know what he's doing? Are we going to die out here? Are we going to be lost in the woods? Are we going to write about us in the paper? Family lost in the wicked woods of you know, West Virginia. What's going to happen? And here's the thing that, I, that as I think back on that, you know, everything, everything speaks to us about a relationship with God. And really what happened as we pressed on, and we, by the way, we survived, in case you're wondering, okay? We did survive. But here's why it was so hard. Here's why the journey got so difficult. We weren't sure about how we were going to get to the destination. We weren't sure. We were off the trail. We were off the beaten path. We were making our own trail. There is no trail. There is no next step. Are we even going to get to where we need to get to? Are we going to make it to the end? And when you lose touch with the end, when you lose touch with where you're going, when you can't see the end of the journey, when you when it gets hazy and things are just get all disarrayed and you can't see the end, you get in trouble. You get in trouble in your mind, you get in trouble in your heart. And, and you, you get all frazzled. And you're not sure what's happening. And you get discouraged. You get overwhelmed. You start to give up hope. And I tell you, honestly, I wanted to sit down on the ground and cry. But I couldn't. Because they were behind me. So we made it. Okay, we survived. You know, God has made us for something. Listen, this is so important. You and I were made for a relationship with God. You were. Your original design was for relationship with God. Now sin messed with that. Sin twisted it. It twisted it. And so now there's all these other relationships that that tend to like feed us, you know? They they tend to like encourage us and and sort of give us something. But really what we're made for is relationship with God. That's what we're made for. Now, some of us understood this, and we put our trust in Jesus Christ. We saw that Jesus' death on the cross was for me, and I received that as as mine. And what's awesome about God, what's awesome is, you know how you were originally made for a relationship with God? That was your original design, and then sin messed it up? God does a supernatural miracle and changes you. So now, rather than being like bumping against it, it doesn't work. Now God has fixed you so you can have relationship with Him. This is what the miracle of salvation is. The miracle isn't, oh, now you get to go to heaven. As wonderful as that is. The miracle of salvation is, now you can have relationship with God. Fulfill your design. This is what you were made for. Now, that's the wonderful truth, this. But the reality is you can live outside of that now. You can break away from that. Even as a believer. You can start living for other things. And all of a sudden you find it's not working. It's not working. I made a list of things that, that I see people who are they're, they're trying to find this and they search in other places. Believers now, okay? And if you're not in Christ, none of these things are going to work. The first thing is often people run after earthly possessions. They think, maybe I just get enough stuff. If I just get enough things. If I get a nice house or a nice car. Or I know if I hit the lottery, That'll do it. Especially if it's $1.5 billion. Then I'll finally be happy. I'll finally have what I want. No, you won't. You weren't made for that. You were not made for that. I've used this illustration many, many times. My old Jack Russell Terrier, who's now dead and in the ground, um, He's not in heaven, very very light, very doubtful, but anyway, side of the point. My old Jack Russell terrier, he loved to chase animals. Loved it. And we try to keep him trapped up in the house and he'd be there at the window. He's looking out there's a rabbit out in the yard. And man, he wants to go. And once in a while that door would crack open and he'd be gone. And I mean, he is now in all of his bliss. Because he's doing what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to run down rabbits and kill them. That's what he's designed to do. And when he's doing it, he loves life. Earthly possessions are like trapping that dog in the house. They don't fulfill. Earthly pleasures, maybe. Maybe it's in pleasures, right? Maybe it's fulfilling these senses in some way. Give me enough food... Give me enough things, to, beautiful things to look at. Give me enough sex. Give me, give me enough pleasures and I'll finally be fulfilled. No. You won't. You won't. Why do you think it is that sexual sin degrades? Why do you think that is? Because pleasures don't satisfy. So the individual keeps on digging deeper. How about earthly rewards, earthly accolades, how people gather around, tell me how wonderful I am. Give me prizes, give me medals, no. Earthly relationships. listen, no marriage, no child, no relationship with your parent, no friend, none of that. None of those things are going to do this. Only God fulfills our design. You were made for that. And if you're in Christ today, you've been remade for that. If you're in Jesus today, you've been double-made for relationship with God. Pursue it. Pursue it. Now, where Paul goes is, is, is really where the whole Bible goes. Listen to what Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 says. This was a great passage to me at a time in my life. The reference is Jeremiah 9, verse 23 and 24, and just hear it. It says, Thus says the Lord, declares the Lord. You were made to know Him. And anything else isn't going to fit. Okay, Philippians 3. Paul says this, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. I want to talk about this a little bit. I want to talk about what is he saying here. He's, say, he's called us to something. And he's saying, Hey, listen, I know I'm not there yet. I know I'm not there. And now we we get into this dilemma of understanding some theological truth. And I want to take just a minute, okay, and and pretend we're in a classroom, okay? And I want to explain things to you that that maybe will help you understand not only this passage... But maybe I'll you understand your relationship with Christ as well. But I'm going to need a whiteboard for this, okay? We're in a classroom, okay? I am an old teacher, okay? For years I was a teacher in a high school. So you're going to have to just suffer through this. I'm not going to do any math problems for you, okay? That's not what's going to happen. But I am going to use this whiteboard. Are you ready, buddy? Okay, let's bring this over here. Um, I want to understand this dilemma that we see in life where God calls us to something, but yet it seems that it, it isn't quite there, it, it seems that, you know, Paul says, not that I'm perfect, not that I've already obtained this, I want you to understand what it is that he's saying, okay, so just just bear with me, I, the words I'm going to use are on the screen, which a lot of you can't see, um, boy, that's a real, that's that's really too bad, um, so, somebody should have thought through this, I tell you, I don't know who in the world came up with this idea, but it was a winner, um, all right, so you'll have to just read them off the board here. Okay, now you and I were born in a certain circumstance. We were born, born now, dead in sin. I've already said this. Ephesians two one says that you were born dead in your sins. You were born as a person that was completely without life. That's how you were made, because of sin. You were created that way. But some of us, a a miracle has happened. A great miracle has occurred, and some of us have been born again. That's what Jesus called it. Jesus called it born again, okay? He said, you must be born again. Praise the Lord. Some of us have been born again. And when you're born again, everything starts brand new, and it does not end. Brand new, and it does not end. Into eternity, our new life flows. Okay, now I wish you could see this in the back. I'm writing eternity. God has taken a dead man and made him alive, born again in Christ. And now, I'm a brand new creature. And when I came to Christ, some amazing things happened. Okay? Some amazing things happened. First of all, what happened to me is... I now experience what the Bible calls, and this is the first word I want you to fill in, it starts with a J, okay? It's justification. Now that's a big word, and you're saying, whoa, what what does that even mean? What does that mean? It means when you put your trust in Christ, let me tell you what happened. God made a legal declaration about you. God said instead of your sin instead of being dead in sin I now legally declare you righteous I declare you righteous First Corinthians chapter 6 verse 11 says that we've been washed that we've been justified That we've been sanctified in Christ Jesus. The amazing thing about this legal declaration that you and I are completely righteous in Christ is it goes on for eternity. So when God sees you, I don't care what your past includes. When God sees you in Christ, He only sees His Son's righteousness. Not because you're good, not because you earned it, but because God is the great judge of all the world, boom, gavel down, declared it true. Romans 5 says He has justified you. Romans 5.9 says that He is just in justifying you because His Son died for you. That's why Jesus died on the cross. Because our sin had to be dealt with. And so Jesus Christ died in my place, and when you receive Him, that righteousness is now given to you, justified. But not only are you justified, you are also, another word coming at you, okay, you are sanctified. Sanctified. Now here's what this word means. It's a big word. I'll explain it to you. It means to be declared or made holy. It means to be set apart for a special use. It means when you were born again, God declared you righteous, justified you, and God then, as a result of that justification, He instantly declared you special for a purpose. That's what that means. You also see this word in your Bible sometimes, saint. There's all kinds of talk recently about Mother Teresa being made a saint. Listen, if she's in Christ, I don't know whether she was in Christ or not, if she was, the moment she trusted Christ, she was called a saint. If you're in Jesus today, you are sanctified, and what that means is God has set you apart for something special. And it goes on for eternity, just like my being born again, just like my justified, just like my sanctification, born again. Now this sanctification begins... It begins by being called positionally sanctified. Big words, positional sanctification. Now, here's what this means God has said, You hold the position of being set apart for me. You. It's like God's picking his kickball team. And when you put your trust in Christ. See, you were justified. Declared righteous. Declared holy. You've been set apart. So God says, I choose you. And now, you're on His team. Comes with a uniform. Christ's righteousness. Comes with a purpose. Point people to Him. You never get off this team. Comes with a whole new design. See, now you're made for relationship with him. That's who you are. That's who you are today if you're in Christ. And these things are instantly true. Instantly true. But there's always a but. Is there not? There's always a but. Okay. However, Paul says, not that I've already obtained this. Paul says. Not that I'm perfect. Because see, here's how the Christian life works. Now stay with me. Here's how the Christian life works. It works like this. Step back. Step forward. Step back. I'm not going to do this all day, so you better look. Step forward. Step back. That's how the Christian life is. We got a word for that, okay? It looks like this. Back and forth, okay? And it's called... I need a better marker. I don't like that one. It's called my progressive sanctification. My progressive sanctification. So I am going to grow along the way and continue for a while. But don't worry, that progressive sanctification is going to come to an end i got good news for you. It's going to come to an end. This, you know, stupid forward, back, forward, back. It's going to come to an end. Don't worry. Aren't you happy to know it's going to come to an end? You know when it's going to end? It ends at physical death. Okay? That's when it ends. Do I need to switch microphones or am I good? Gotcha. Okay. So it ends at my death. That's why we don't fear death. That's why Paul said... Better for me to be absent from the body than to be present with the Lord. Because then this progressive sanctification battle that you're in. I know, guys. I know, ladies. I know you're in it. I know. You say, how do you know, Lowell? You've been watching me? No, I've been living it too. I know. We go step forward. We fall back. Step forward, we fall back. But that battle, that battle is evidence that you're in Christ. Listen to what Jesus said in John 17, verse 17. He said, sanctify them. This is progressive sanctification. Okay? Progressive sanctification. He said, sanctify them. Sanctify them by your truth. Your Word is truth. John 17, 17. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says that we are being transformed little by little by little by little into the image of Christ. See, this is the process that God goes through to make us like Him. These things all happen. You don't have to worry. You're in Christ. You're justified. You're sanctified. You're positionally His. But now you're in this journey of progressive sanctification. It's, it's the battle that we're in, it's the journey that we're in. But it ends. It ends was something that we call... Okay, I'm out of space. Wow. Something that we call ultimate sanctification. And that happens when you're with the Lord Jesus. When you're with Christ, you will then experience the ultimate sanctification. When you are absent from this body, you'll be present with the Lord. And all this progressive stuff that you're battling against... All the things that you, you battle against, it's gone. And you're with Him. See, this is, this is somewhat of a picture of our relationship with Christ right now. Right now. Let's go back to our passage now. John, can you take our classroom away? Um, okay. Go back to Philippians chapter 3. And, and now maybe you'll see why Paul said what he said in verse number 12. He said, not that I have already obtained this or that I'm perfect. no. That's not the case at all. We, we, our goal here is to know Christ. And not that we've obtained that yet. We're pressing on in our progressive sanctification. So let's continue now. Let's continue down through the passage and understand what it is that Paul is calling us to. Okay, the first thing I want you to see clearly in verses 12 and 13 is Paul is saying you should fulfill your design and I should you fulfill it, you need to protect it. You need to protect it. Listen, you guys, this week, I'm not kidding you, was a tough week for a lot of believers. This week was a tough week for a lot of believers. I know it was. I know. Why? Because the world in all of its glory offered its prize. It offered its prize to us. $1.5 trillion. We can laugh about it, but the truth is, I know many hearts hurt over that. And you thought, man, if I just had that... If I just had this $1.5 trillion, all my problems would go away. Maybe that's the prize. Maybe that's the call. Maybe that's the goal. If I just had that. And then you woke up, what was it, Thursday morning? Man. And you didn't. And then you went through this mental gymnastics where you were like, you know what? I could have done great things with that money. I could have done great things. Jonathan, let's just switch to this, okay? There we go. Hey, all the wonderful things I could have done with that money. You see, our idol, the idol of our culture was calling out our name. Don't get frazzled by it. It's going to happen again. Different idols are going to call out your name. Paul said, The goal in life is that I may know Christ, and I press on to make it my own. I press on. He says, continuing verse number 13, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straying forward to what lies ahead. Now, what does this word forget mean? What does this word forget mean? Notice he says, forgetting what lies behind. What does that mean? Does that mean that that there's this, you know, mental thing that goes on that Paul can no longer remember what happened to him before this day? Absolutely not. For instance, in Hebrews it says that God has forgotten our sin. That doesn't mean that God has lost that in his omniscience. He doesn't know that you sinned. He knows that. He knows that. That's not what it means. What this means when he says that I forget what lies behind, it means I'm going to no longer be influenced by it. Forgetting what lies behind means I'm no longer going to be influenced by this thing in my past. And what this thing is is anything else other than knowing Christ. Instead, I strain forward. I press on forward towards this goal. So you and I, we must protect. We must protect what our mission is in life. What our goal is in life. If you're in Christ, your goal you were designed. You were made to know Him. And you and I have to protect that. Now that doesn't mean a, a, a vow of poverty. It doesn't mean anything like that. What it means is that God is number one in my life. And I trust Him to bring me joy. I trust Him to bring me contentment. I trust Him To bring me peace. I trust Him to bring me love. I trust Him to bring me faithfulness. I trust Him to bring me self-control. I trust Him to bring all those things. I just listed for you the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And I trust Him to bring me those things. No pleasure will do that. No possession will do that. No accolade will do that. No relationship will do that. Only knowing Christ. So you protect it. Protect it. You need to forget the old allegiances and strain forward now towards the new one. Not ones. One. Forgetting what lies behind. He says, I strain forward to what lies ahead. Now Paul here is using the the language of athletics. Okay? He's using the language of athletics here. And you can see the runner. You can see the hiker. You can see the football player. Whatever you want to, whatever you want to picture, you can see him straining forward towards that goal. He goes on. And, and he says that what was behind him, he's, he's forgotten. He strains forward. He presses on. Verse number 14. I press on toward the goal. Now listen to these words that he uses. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You and I have got to protect what this call is on our life, but we equally have to embrace it. We have to embrace it. Look at how Paul is embracing this goal of knowing Christ. And just just so that you know, look back at verse number 10. See what he's talking about. In verse number 10, he says, that I may know him. This is what he's talking about, knowing God. He said, intimate relationship with God. He presses towards that goal of knowing him. We must embrace this. What I mean by that is we have to pursue it. The word that he uses there for press, it's very interesting. Listen to what it means. The word he says, I press on towards that goal, the prize, the call. He says, I press on Listen, this is really fascinating. Most often when that word is in your Bible, it's translated, ready? Persecute. The majority of the time that that word is used, it's translated persecute. Why is that? Why why is this idea of persecute connected to the same word that Paul uses for press on? Can I tell you what it is? When somebody is persecuting somebody else. They are zealously attacking. They they believe this thing deep in their heart and zealously going after a person. Paul is saying, you be zealous in embracing this mission. You zealously embrace this call to know Christ. You want to know why our heart hurt badly? that time I didn't get what I wanted? You wonder our heart hurt badly when that idol didn't deliver whatever it may be? It's not because you wanted that thing. You were actually made to want. You were designed with desire. You were designed to want things. That's how God made you. The problem wasn't in the wanting. That's not what it was. It was that I'm not embracing Christ in such a way that it provides this ballast in my life. When the other wants come and sort of shout out my name, it doesn't rock my boat over. Ne- we need to so embrace Christ in Him and His Word and His Spirit that when these other things come like wind battering the side of our ship, the ballast holds. We're still going to want Possessions. We're still going to want pleasures. We're still going to want accolades. We're still going to want relationships. But we are embracing this call. When knowing Christ is a prize, is a goal, wow, is a call from God. How many of us, if President Obama called your house today, said, oh, Lowell, is this you? Yeah, it is. It's President Obama. And he starts to tell me that he needs me to perform a special mission for him. I've been watching you, Lowell. You are just the right man for the job. Now, here's a couple things. I need you to be in tip-top shape. Okay, sir, no problem. I need you to really understand such and such topic. Okay, I'll research it. I need you to buy a pair of brown shoes and a blue hat. All right, sir, I'm on it. And I'm doing it, right? Because I got a call from the president. And whatever it took, I would embrace it. Why? Because he's that important. He's that honored. He's the most powerful man in the world. And if he calls, I respond. And he's a creature. And God is his maker. And God has called us to embrace this goal, goal, to know him. Embrace it. Say, what do I need to do? Oh, well, you know, if you told me to, if, if God said blue hat, brown shoes, I'd probably do that. Okay. Well, he did. He said, love him with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So, okay, well, how does that look? Well, you need to read your Bible when you'll see that. You need to hear what we talk about here. Yeah, you need to be in God's Word and pursuing Him through His Word. That's part of embracing. You need to be in relationship with other people and allow Him to flow through you to them and from them to you. That's part of embracing that call. It's understanding the power of His resurrection to conquer sin. So, I must die to myself and what I want, die to myself. And embrace the power of his resurrection. And enjoy the partnership of his suffering. If any of this sounds familiar, it's because you've been listening the last couple weeks. This is what Philippians has been talking about all along. This is the call. Here it is. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, verse 15 and 16 are, are interesting. Let me take just a couple minutes here to, to hit these briefly. I mean the, the main point has already been covered. But fifteen and sixteen is something that we also need to bring into our thinking. Verse 15. Let those of us who are mature complete to tell us die. When Jesus said it is finished, same word here, okay? Finished. For those of us who are mature, if you're mature in Christ, we should think this way. And if in, it, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. You see what the author is saying here? He's saying evaluate your life. Truly evaluate your life. We've been told to protect this call, to embrace it, and now we're being told to keep holding it. To keep holding it. Nothing breaks my heart more and to see a person who has embraced knowing Christ and then the pleasures and persecutions and difficulty of the world they start to let go. If you wonder, is that me? Am I doing that? Well, if you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you. I mean, this is what it says right here. If you think otherwise, if you're thinking otherwise, right now, God will reveal that to you. Now, just as a side issue, as a, as a corollary of that, I want to mention this. We need to be careful about other people. And what I mean by that is this. It says the mature people are, are going to understand this, so be careful where you look. Because sometimes you're going to look out and you're going to see other people that are believers, but maybe in a particular area in your life they're not going to have maturity. Maybe they aren't running after Christ. Maybe knowing Christ isn't the goal that they're embracing in their life at that moment. Be patient with them. Be patient with them. Don't rain judgment down upon them. See, it doesn't say, and you will reveal it to them. It says, who will reveal it to them? God. So there's a call here for us to be patient with one another patient now there's a place for others we're going to talk about that next week but the call here is to know christ and and to to embrace that call is the one that god has placed on our life and all that stuff that i put up on the board you know what all that means that you've already been made for this purpose for this plan for this you've been perfectly designed for this You've been perfectly designed to know Christ, and to make that the pursuit in your life. So, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I hope that some of you will leave here today, and you'll say, "God, I'm going to pursue you." I don't know. I don't know everything that that means, but I know some things, and things I know I'm going to do. I hope that some of you are going to leave here today and, and you're going to seek forgiveness. Some of us need to seek forgiveness. maybe mean, from people in our life that knowing Christ hasn't been the priority. It hasn't been the ambition of my life and they're the recipient of that. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You might need to seek forgiveness from them. Let them know, hey, I'm starting anew. Not not that I've already obtained this, not that I'm perfect, but I'm pressing on, forgetting what lies behind. I'm straining forward towards the goal, towards the prize, towards the call of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there's a start, and there's a brand new start in this passage. Take it. Take it. Get off the journey towards other things. Pursue Christ. Let's pray to Him, Father in heaven, Lord. I thank you for the truth of Your Word, Lord. We uh, we want to celebrate now. We want to celebrate what You've done for us, Lord. You bought us salvation. We thank You for that, Lord. So we want to slow down now for a few moments and worship You, worship You in the way that You instructed, with our voices with our lives, with celebration. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.